Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I am one of the lead pastors here at Life, and it's always great to be with you on a Sunday morning, especially when the weather is under the 70s. I love cooler weather. Cooler weather fans? Yes? Okay, great. Um, I find that my kids now voluntarily go outside without me shoving them out the door, so that's fun. Um, But hey, we've been in this series called uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, where we've been asking the simple question, what does it look like to follow the words of Jesus when he instructed us to love our neighbors as ourselves? What would that look like if we were loving our neighbors as ourselves? So I think we should start off with... um, some slides of people that were not such great neighbors, all right? So let's show the first slide here. This is a slide of uh, a neighborly dispute. Um, So you can see there's a nice, beautifully paved driveway. I don't have a paved driveway. I think that would be beautiful to have that. And if I put that in and then my neighbor's like, ooh, you got the property line wrong, and then put a fence there, I'd be pretty upset. So that's what happened. They were upset that they put a driveway what is that, four feet into their property? (laughs) So they put a fence up, so they had a hard time using their driveway. Poor example of neighbors. This next one, um, tiny apartment steps there, it looks like, and this person just decided that it was too much trouble to do all the steps, so they just did their half, so that's some fun neighboring there. Let's go on to the next one, which is, uh, this might be one of my favorites. If you can't read it, it says, upstairs neighbor's favorite shoes. And then it's got some flip-flops somehow in these cement blocks, assuming they were super loud. Um, (laughs) Being, I've lived in the top floor apartment with a kid before, and I've always felt bad for my downstairs neighbors. They probably thought that about me. Um, So that's one. And then we've got uh, this, this one that involves mowing. If you can't see it, there's one strip of grass that hasn't been mowed The story behind this one is that uh, the neighbor on the right, they're elderly, and someone mowed their yard for them out of the kindness of their heart, and they didn't get this last strip. And then the next day, the the neighbors who lived there, they're like, nope, not my property line. I'm not mowing that last strip. Personally, I'm like, how could you leave that perfect little strip? I mean, that's so satisfying to take your mower and get that last strip. Isn't that the best part of mowing? Getting that last strip and they missed an opportunity to be kind (laughs) just to get that last strip. Are you guys depressed enough? Should we move on to some good ones? I've got a couple good ones for you. Um, I saw this on social media a few months ago when the pandemic first started. Did you guys see this one? I think it was on the news even. These guys redid their fence so they could have a table and hang out in their backyard. So that's, that's a fun one. I love that. Um, this next one is a husband and wife who live in this apartment complex where their parking lot, by the end of the night, fills up completely and you got to park far away from your apartment. And so their neighbors took a picture like saying you guys are awesome for taking up one less spot so husband and wife can park in the same spot in those little smart cars. That's fun. And then here's my last one. And this is uh, a guy who their neighbors had dogs, and they have dogs, and their dogs love playing together. And so they built a doggy door so they could come over whenever they wanted and play during the day where they were at work. Um, 
So yeah, we got some examples of some not-so-great neighbors, <laughs> some neighbors who are just selfish, and we've all been there, and some neighbors who are doing some cool stuff, being creative to bless each other. Being, lo- loving our neighbors is an, is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. We can't passively love our neighbors. It doesn't come from just, oh, I don't hate my neighbors, or we get along fine, but it comes from action that we get to love our neighbors. All of those things, the last three good examples... Those are actions of how we can just simply bless and love our neighbors. So this, this series has um, come out of, a, uh, of that question of what would it look like to love our neighbors. And then we looked at a few weeks ago how God has blessed us through, the, through Abraham's blessing. Um, that we've been blessed. And because we've been blessed, we now get to bless our neighborhoods, our communities, those around us. And we learn that we're designed, qualified, and called to bless others. And then we got into our acronym, BLESS. Um, The B stands for begin with prayer. The L is listen. And that's as far as we've gotten so far. And so we've learned that prayer is how we discover our mission. Prayer is how we pursue our mission. And prayer is how we let God know that we're available and eager to carry out his blessing to the people around us. So we've got to be praying. We've got to start with prayer as we, as we try to bless our neighbors. And then Liz taught last week how to listen in a Jesus way and how we often um, miss the everyday ways in which people are within arm's reach of us and we just don't listen to them. And we've got to hear what's really going on in their hearts and lives and that's how Jesus listened and so we want to follow that example. Now, before we get to this next letter, E for Eat, um, when we look at what Jesus did in his ministry on earth, we think of these big things. We think of his teaching, his amazing teaching, his healing, the performing of miracles, him walking on water, dying on the cross, raising again from the grave. And with all that going on, we can miss one of the central things that Jesus was doing. And and it was, it was almost central to his ministry that he just did it all the time. He did it naturally. And it was just eating with others. Now, you could argue, and rightly so, that there's not, nothing spiritual about the way, uh, about eating, right? Like, uh, I'm really good at going to McDonald's, getting a double cheeseburger and fries, fries in the cup holder, double cheeseburger in this hand, and my knees driving, right, as I'm in a rush to get to Champagne or wherever I'm going. Nothing spiritual about that, right? Of course not. Um, That's just driving down the road. Um, But that's not the way that Jesus ate. He ate with others to teach, to share, to listen, to serve others, and to show acceptance to others. Now, that's not to say that Jesus... Uh, he didn't shove down a shawarma on the back of a donkey on his way to Jerusalem. Maybe he did that. The Bible doesn't tell us. I like to put that image of my, in my head of him doing that. You guys had shawarmas? Any shawarma fans? Oh, I love myself some shawarma. Um, now, so the gospel doesn't tell us if Jesus did that. Um, but what we do have is 14, 14 total accounts where Jesus was blessing those around him as he ate. Isn't that interesting? 14 different accounts of Jesus blessing people as he's eating. And many of these accounts of Jesus 
he's sharing a meal and he's revealing his heart for people to experience his kingdom life and his life-giving love. And so we're going to look at three scenes today, three scenes of Jesus eating with others that each show us a principle of what can happen when we eat with people, as we bless people as we eat. So this first one is Simon the Pharisee. And, and the, the principle here is when we eat with others, we share the character of God. When we eat with others, we share the character of God. We have this story um, of Jesus eating in Luke 7.40. Uh, you can turn there with me or turn on your device, go there with me. I'm not going to put it up on the screen today, um, but you can follow along. So um, we have this scene where Jesus is eating with a man who invited him over for dinner. And his name was Simon. He was a Pharisee. A Pharisee was just a religious leader of his day. And there were some other people there too. We can assume that they were other rabbis like Jesus or other Pharisees like Simon. But there was an uninvited guest who crashed the party. And as we read this today, she did something that's super weird. A thing where she she pours out perfume on Jesus' feet to bless him. Now, That wasn't that weird for them back in the day, for someone to bless someone else with some perfume on their feet. I mean, can you imagine, um, like, Greg, he's a professor. Greg's back in the sound booth. He's a professor. Can you imagine if one of his students ran in here during church and poured out some perfume on his feet to say, oh, you've taught me so much about the beauty of science, and I must bless you with this perfume. We would all be like, all right, that's kind of weird. Don't do that here. But back then... That's kind of normal to bless somebody in that way. It wasn't that weird for them. But what was weird was who was doing the pouring out of perfume. What sucked the air out of the room, what people were embarrassed by, was that this woman, um, not what she was doing, but who she was and that Jesus welcomed her. That was the awkward part. And so Simon calls her an immoral woman, Some translations say um, that Simon was just like, she's a sinner, right? Um, Just declaring like she shouldn't be here. And even Jesus says near the end of this story that she is a sinner and has many sins. He kind of emphasizes that even. But this is normal for Jesus. Hanging out with the sinners or the uh, undesirables or the outcasts, Jesus hangs out with those people all the time. These people that were shunned by the religious elite he hung out with. And so instead of shunning this woman so it wasn't awkward, Jesus takes it up as as an opportunity to display his character. To display his character and offer these dinner guests a new way to live. So he puts on this example to all the other dinner guests of like, I accept her and she's okay here. By eating with Simon and his friends, he got to display what he's all about. He gives us an opportunity to share Jesus' love, ideas, values, and mission. He offers this new way to live to these guests. Because he doesn't shun her. He welcomes her. He shares a story with Simon. Um, And if, if you're in the scripture, you can read it there. And he says, who would be forgiven? Who would be more thankful? Who would love the person more? Um, a person who's been forgiven a little or a person that's been forgiven a lot. And she has been forgiven a lot. So she comes to Jesus with extreme thankfulness. And Jesus offers them a new way to live, a new way to accept people, a new way to be thankful for what they've been um, given. 
And so um, we can do the same thing as we eat with people, as we share life with people. The things, the way that we follow Jesus is going to be prevalent to them. Maybe it's in the way that um, we parent or the way that we rely on God in, in hard times, and we, and we just share that in conversations. Um, maybe after a meal, um, maybe you're getting to know someone more, and they share with you like uh, a struggle that they've got going on. And you take the time just for a minute to pray for them, to say, hey, before you go, you know, you mentioned that you've got this hard thing going on. Can I just take a minute to pray for you? I think there's people in our circles that we run into every day, every week, every month that don't have someone that's ever prayed for them. Like ever. There are people in your circle that have never had someone in their life say, hey, can I pray for you about that? Isn't that crazy? Those people exist in our lives and it'd be easy to invite them over for dinner and say, hey, can I pray for you about whatever's, whatever's going on for a minute? So when we eat with others, we share the character of God. This next one, um, this next principle that we can learn um, comes to us uh, from when Jesus um, eats with the tax collector Matthew. And when we eat with others, we express to them that they have value, that they are valuable. In that last story, Jesus was eating with some religious people. But in this story, he's eating the exact opposite. He's eating with um, some people that the, the religious elite would call the sinners. Even They say that later, too. Um, this would be like if you were eating with priests one week, and then the very next week, you were eating with some mob bosses. It's like a complete flip of people he's eating with. You can find this scene in Matthew 9, 9, if you want to turn there. Matthew 9, 9. And the story goes like this. Matthew, he's at work. He's near the county market where everybody's got their booths set up, selling whatever they're selling, bread, fish, trinkets, pots, whatever you want to sell at a market. Only Matthew isn't selling things because he's the tax man. He's there to make sure that people pay their fair taxes. And he's there to get the cut of whatever you owe to the government. And so we read in Matthew 9.9, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to them. So Matthew got up and followed him. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> like, like, he must have seen him doing something. He must have heard about him. Or maybe it was simply was that divine where he just decided to follow Here's the thing about tax collectors, though. Back then, they were seen as Jewish traitors to their people, the Benedict Arnolds of their time. And the way tax collecting worked back then was that you not only collected the 30% for the government or whatever the Romans wanted to take from the Jews, um, the way the tax collector made their income is by they just uh, said, actually, you owe 60% this month, and I'm going to keep that 30. I'll give 30 to the government, 30 for me. You got to make a lot of money. And so they were despised. But they weren't despised only because they took whatever they want, only because they took money from people. They were despised because of how they were seen as traitors. They're, they had turned their back on their Jewish brothers and sisters, and they were serving their oppressors to make a buck. So 
They were excommunicated from Jewish life. They weren't allowed in the synagogues where uh, Jewish traditions and um, Jewish people got together. They weren't allowed to be there. They were rejected by their own people. Let's get back to the story, Matthew 9, 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Now, I don't know if Matthew had this dinner already planned, and he was like, whoa, Jesus is accepting me. I should invite Jesus to this dinner, and he can meet all my other friends. Or maybe he was just so amazed by Jesus that he was like, we got to have a dinner party together. Or maybe it was a fearful thing for him to be like, oh, I know I should. My, Jesus would probably want to meet these people, and he would love them. But I don't know. It might be awkward for this rabbi to come. But he did it. He invited Jesus. Verse 11, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those who think they are, for I have not for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So here again, Jesus is eating with some folks. He uses this time as an opportunity to teach those around him. But what I want to glean from this passage is how Jesus gives these outcasts, or as the Pharisees call them, scum. He gives them value and importance. And of course, this isn't the only time or way that he does this. It's a habit of his. He does this in many different ways. In this instance, he does it through the fellowship of a meal, something usually reserved for your peers. Like usually he would eat, those people would eat with people just like them in the same uh, sphere as them. To the Pharisees, the people, the people that Jesus was eating with, they had no value. They weren't worth healing or saving. They weren't even worth eating with. They were the scum of the earth. That's what they called them. But to Jesus, these people had value. They were the worth listening to, worth eating with. And they were perfect targets to receive his love and his new life. Remember when Jesus promised his living water to anybody that wanted it? We've talked about it a few times in this series um, in John 7 where Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Guys, all Jesus did was recognize Matthew's value. Sometimes I wonder what Matthew's life would have been like if Jesus didn't say, hey, come follow me. If he didn't see value in that tax collector that everybody thought was scum. In Jesus' eyes, Matthew wasn't a thief, he wasn't a screw-up, he wasn't scum, but he had value in the kingdom of God. And because Jesus saw value in him, his entire life changed. Our entire lives changed. We got a whole gospel from Matthew about the life of Jesus. The first book in the New Testament, Matthew wrote, after being a tax collector, a hated tax collector, and so the things of our past 
They don't define us. They don't define the people around us. They don't disqualify us from the things of God. And I love that. Our past wrongdoings don't disqualify us from having value in the kingdom. And many of us know that. I think we need to be reminded of that. And I think also we need to tell people that. We need to give them value. And having a meal with somebody, just a simple way to give someone value in your life. Maybe those people um, come to your mind immediately. Like, you you know what, this person, maybe a lot of people don't find value in them. I need to have them over for dinner. Pray about that. Pray, say, say, God, who, who do you want me to have over for dinner? Who do you want me to take out for lunch to show them value? Simple, simple thing, just to give them value by eating together. Of course, there's many ways to give somebody value, but we're talking about eating together, and I like eating. So invite them over to dinner or lunch or whatever. The third and final principle I've got for you today is when that we eat with others, we serve like Jesus did. We've got two different scenes where Jesus serves his friends. I mean, there's tons of them, but two of them revolve around food. So we've got this first one in John 13, 4. This happens just a few days before Jesus is crucified. He and his friends are about to share a Passover meal. It's a holiday meal. It's a big occasion in Jewish life. And before they do that, Jesus sees an opportunity to be a servant. And so you guys have probably heard this story where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Similar to the first story, the real shocker here isn't that the feet were being washed. We would kind of think that if I invited you over and then started washing your feet, you'd probably be like, okay, that's a little uncomfortable, kind of weird. But I've read about that in the Bible, so it must be okay. But no, this was completely normal for them. But it was the thing that a servant would do, the lowest servant. And Jesus saw an opportunity, and he took that opportunity to serve his disciples. So it wasn't that Jesus, it wasn't that the feet were being washed. It was who was washing the feet, the rabbi, the most important person in the room. Jesus, the king of the world, the king of the universe, is washing his friend's feet. So we got this verse in uh, John thirteen twelve. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Then we've got this story after the resurrection. So this is right before the resurrection, uh, right before Jesus dies. And then we have this story right after the resurrection in John 21. Um. I really like this story. I think it's a fun story. Uh, Jesus and his friends, Jesus' friends, not Jesus and his friends, Jesus' friends are out fishing in a boat. Um, and Jesus wasn't with them at the time, but he walked out onto the beach where they had probably launched their boat from. And they're not too off the shore, not too far out off the shore. The Bible tells us it's about 100 yards off the shore. So he calls out to them and he says, Hey guys, you catch anything? And the disciples say, no, we haven't caught anything. And the disciples didn't know who it was. The sun was just coming up over the horizon. It's probably dark, probably a public beach where like other fishermen would come and 
ask the same question, you know, are you catching anything? Is it worth me coming out there? And uh, they say no. And so um, Jesus calls back to them and he says, I bet you'd catch something if you threw, you threw their nets on the other side of the boat. Maybe you'd catch something then. The disciples are like, well, okay, whatever. I guess we can, we can do that. We got nothing to lose. Maybe the guy saw some, a school of fish swim along the other side of our boat. We'll try that. And all of the sudden, their net is full. They throw their net on the other side of the boat. Their net is completely full. It's like uh, so heavy. They've got to get everybody. There are seven disciples on the boat. They've got to get everybody to like start dragging this net up. And then John, the writer of the story, he's like, hold on. I've seen this before. Like there was a dude that I used to know that told us to do the same thing, go out deeper waters and cast our nets. That's Jesus over there. And then Peter was like, oh, it is. And so Peter, he jumps off the side of the boat. He swims the fastest 100-meter race, and it was the first Olympic record, and that is why they have the 100 meters in the Olympics today. No, I'm making that up. Um, but I'm sure that was the first Olympic record because Peter was so excited to get to his friend Jesus. He abandons his friends on the boat trying to pull in this giant net of fish. Um, just to go spend time with Jesus. I got to find where I am here. I get excited about that story. Um, so Jesus, he, he brought some fish, we assume. Um, he brought some fish and some bread with him, and he starts serving his friends by making them breakfast. While they're all still pulling in the, in the net, he starts to make some breakfast um, for his friends. And he's, he's serving them as he's setting the scene for this pivotal moment in Peter's life. Because you'll remember just a few days ago, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. You know, he denies Jesus three times before the rooster crows. So his soul has to be heavy. It has to be having the weight of the world of like not having the forgiveness of Jesus, like talking to him about that. I wonder if they talked about that right then. Um, and so he needs to be restored. He needs to be forgiven by Jesus. And Jesus does just that. He serves Peter breakfast, delicious fish and bread. I wonder what kind of cook Jesus was. Like, did he pull in some like divine cooking skills that were amazing as the best fish and bread you've ever tasted? Was he average? Who knows? But he made Peter some breakfast. And then we get that story where he says, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And at the end, he just says, follow me. I think it's really interesting, and I don't think it's an accident that Jesus chose to serve Peter as he offered him restoration, as he offered him mercy and forgiveness for denying him. And that set Peter up to go on and do an amazing ministry. I mean, we have a lot of his stories in Acts and in his books that he wrote in the New Testament. There are so many opportunities for us to serve as we share a meal with our neighbors. It's just natural for us to invite a coworker over, whoever it may be, and just serve. Serve them a meal. In a different part of the Bible, Matthew 20, Jesus says this, Jesus called them together. This is his friends, his disciples. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it's going to be different. Whoever wants 
To be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus calls us to serve. There's many ways that we can serve. Eating is just one of those natural ways to see the needs in someone's life. So yes, we can serve them a meal. Awesome. But then as we do life with them, as we hear uh, about whatever's going on in their life, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe their mower's broken and your neighbors. And you can be like, oh, hey, use my mower this week. You can meet these other needs, find other ways to serve them. Maybe they reveal things about their life where you can serve them in other ways. That's what we see Jesus doing. He just took the opportunity to serve. Friends, eating, it really can be a spiritual thing if we invite God into it. I think God wants to be a part of our meals, whether it's with our immediate families, whether it's with friends, coworkers, neighbors. When we eat with others, we serve like Jesus did as he washed his friends' feet and made breakfast for them. When we eat with others, we express to them that they are valuable as Jesus did as he had dinner and lunch with uh, these outcasts who other people were calling scum, he found value in and he made that known. And when we eat with others, we share the character of God as Jesus did when he welcomed the sinful woman and offered Simon, the Pharisee, and his friends a brand new way to live. So I've got some practical tips for you. They're really simple and I think you all can do them. This first one, this first practical tip, is to invite someone to eat with you this week. That's it. Invite someone. Maybe uh, it's at work. I know not all of you have gone back to a physical workspace yet, but those of you that have, invite someone to eat with you. Just say, hey, will you, eat, will you eat lunch with me today? Whatever that may look like. Maybe it's taking them out to lunch. Maybe it's just uh, hanging out in the break room where you normally would sit at separate tables. You sit at the same table. Maybe it's inviting your neighbor over for dinner who you, who you can just say, hey, I'd love to get to know you guys more. You guys want to come over for dinner? whatever that may be. Just have, have a meal with somebody this week. And my second one um, is to come over to my house for lunch today. I'm dead serious. Come over to my house for lunch today. Um, Liz has made some stuff. I would pretend to help, but I, I didn't that much. Um, and we just want to have you over for lunch. I'm seriously inviting every one of you to lunch today. I know this is like, what? I wasn't planning on this. Dan, did I miss an email or a Facebook post? Anybody wondering that right now? Raise your hand. You're not. I'm just inviting you for the first time today. Come to my house for lunch. We'll put my address up on the screen after church. And I would love for you guys to come over. Just a little impromptu lunch. Come over and eat. Um, if you've got plans today, I totally understand that. Um, you can just cancel them. I don't mind. You can just come over for lunch. It'll be great. So just come over. Let's eat together. Let's like do, let's do the things I'm preaching on. Just have a meal together. Stay for as short or as long as you want. No pressure. But I'd love to have you guys over. Right? It'd be fun. <laughs> when, I, when I told Liz, I was like, I have an idea for Sunday. Let's just invite people over. She's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, great. All right. We're both on board. Um, so come on over. We'll have fun. It's a beautiful day. Um, we'll have fun together. So Y'all are invited. That's my address. If you're online with us, you're welcome. I'm serious. Come on. Just come on over. Um, there's the address right there. They're going to put it on the screen for you. 
Let's pray together. Jesus, thanks for showing us how to live. I mean, such a practical thing, just eating. We get these 14 stories of you eating and blessing people just by eating. And we want to follow that example. We just want to um, learn how to bless people like you did. So as we're living life this week, God, we're open to you uh, showing us how to eat with people, how to invite you into um, our community, into eating together. So um, pray that you would reveal people to us that we can invite into uh, fellowship as we eat, as we have neighbors, coworkers, softball friends, whoever it may be. We just pray that you would invite those, that you would uh, reveal those people to us. Give us boldness to invite them. Um, to just share life together. Jesus, we love you. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.